This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Hey, welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us. Jimmy Scroggins here, West Palm Beach, downtown, and the Family Church Complex. Also with me, my co-host, Leslie Bennett, and my friend of many years, Pastor Aaron Philippone, and our engineer, Carly Seelman. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the corona apocalypse and the coronavirus crisis and how it affects our emotional health. And Leslie, the way that this all works and the different ways that we're having to think about leading churches, it can be a gut punch to a pastor or a ministry leader. Yeah, it's definitely been a challenge. We've had so many, we call it the shifting winds of the coronavirus. So we don't know which way the winds are blowing. Every single day you come in and they're blowing in a slightly different direction. And so you have to, you feel a little knocked off your pins. I feel like as planners and people who normally sort of set a course and know where we're going to go, for me, it's a challenge to have to constantly be shifting and changing. And we've been challenged to be flexible adaptable and agile, not exactly qualities in my wheelhouse on a normal day. So I think just personally, we really have to work hard to keep our mental, emotional, and spiritual energy where it needs to be. So Aaron, I know you work closely with our campus pastors, you're a campus pastor yourself. And so we're just curious about how pastors are feeling in this current climate. Yeah, that's a great question, especially at Family Church, because we work really hard to have great systems And right now, a lot of our systems are changing and they have to look different. We're working hard at not just developing good systems, but how do we develop our own hearts and our souls and our minds in a time when everything is changing? And that's something that we have to constantly think about. So I'm excited to talk about that today. So Aaron, let's talk about that because you are interacting with all of these pastors and you interact not just here, but with pastors around the country that you're friends with. First of all, How is this affecting pastors who are really trying to lead neighborhood churches, local congregations? How's this whole thing affecting them? I think pastors by nature are usually pretty social. They like to be around people. Like that's why they got into this because they love people. They usually have some sense of order to them. There's a reason why people call this kind of haircut the pastor part because every (laughs) hair is like, yeah, of course you don't. (laughs) But pastors love having structure and order. And right now you can't have that. I mean, everything is changing all the time. I think some of the things that I think about personally are what are the things that are never changing? Okay. So we know Christ, we know his word is never changing. This is a great time to really dive in on theological truth, to deepen yourself in your understanding of Christ and your relationship with him. That's one thing that I'm personally trying to do, but I think it's something that pastors ought to be doing through a time like this. I'm curious to people that you talk to around the country or our own pastors at Family Church that lead local congregations, how are they feeling? Like, are they feeling optimistic, sad, lonely? Like, what do you think are the feelings that they're experiencing? Most pastors really do try to have a persona that shows that everything is fine and everything's put together. But when you get into the weeds with them and when you talk with them, a lot of them are worried. They're concerned. They feel like they're tempted to dive into despair. 
They're discouraged about everything that's happening. They're wondering when the doors are going to be back open and when they can actually be with their people. All of this is just shaking some of them. I don't think that they're depressed. I don't think that they have lost their theology, but I do think they're worried about what the future holds. Yeah, I would just say I share that because when we're recording this at the beginning of July, Family Church still not open. None of our campuses have opened. We still have some plans to reopen probably in August. But even this week, the news continues to get worse. The case rate continues to go up. Our hospitals continue to fill up. Our schools have decided in Palm Beach County, where we live, not to meet through the end of August. And the earliest they will open is in September. So things are changing so fast. And even a lot of churches around the state of Florida that have reopened are now closing back down. (laughs) And so it makes you wonder, you know, Leslie, how are we supposed to feel this and what are we doing? I know. I mean... I can kind of turn existential. So sometimes I think, why are we doing this? I don't even know what that means. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, Why are we doing this? And it is kind of what you said, Aaron, like the structure of it and just the way that we're used to church being. And so for people who are in ministry, most of people who are doing church the way we've done it for so long, it's just we're so used to it. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to think about how it might be different. But when you really think about the why, the why is the mission that Christ has given us Mm -hmm. to take his gospel to every person, as we like to call every resident in every neighborhood Mm -hmm. in South Florida, and for us you know, to help people discover and pursue God's design. And so we can still do all of those things. And so you just have to remind yourself of really the why and then the how just has to keep changing. Mm -hmm. And how can we continue to do this well in a season that just looks so different? And when you do like person-to-person contact, like you said, you kind of start to feel a little dried up. Mm -hmm. So that's where you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. It's a challenge. Mm -hmm. And this is like a five to six month season now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. When we first made our pivot organizationally, so we brought our entire organization into those new teams. So we had the Teach the Bible team, the Build Families, and the Love Our Neighbors team. I'm leading the Love Our Neighbors team, which is a lot of our campus pastors and campus staff. One of the things that we've done to help them think about their vision forward and how to lead their organization or their campuses is we've given them specific categories to think about. One category is contacting people and having regular conversation with people. So when you get to a place where you feel like, oh man, I'm drying up. Well, just call a few people. Mm. Man, it really helps you just to hear from other people and be on the phone with them and find out how to pray for them and encourage them. Just today, Jimmy, you and I got a text from a church member. His dad just passed away. And so we were able to reach out to him, had another church member whose mom is probably going to pass away by the end of the day today. And so it just helps as a pastor to be in touch with your people. Mm -hmm. But then we have the category of groups, helping people get into small groups and develop community content that they're putting out on their Facebook pages. We want to make sure that we're assimilating people into membership. So I think having categories to help you think about how to plan out your work week really helps in a time like this to do exactly what you're saying. The how might change, but the what never does. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes a crisis like this really is a great opportunity to just do some things in a different kind of way. And I really feel like I was in a conversation yesterday with some guys. And one of the things that somebody said that I thought was very powerful is that, you know, the way that we normally lead is we see the future before anybody else does. And then we kind of cast a vision for how our church is going to move towards that future. And we drive some stakes in the ground and go, we're going here, then we're going here, then we're going here. And then you motivate and you kind of pull everybody along with you. That's what leaders do as you walk this path towards this future that God's shown you for your church. Well, right now, nobody knows anything about the future. You can't drive a stake in the ground because there's no ground to drive the stake in. We can't say with any kind of definition, hey, in August, we're going to do this, even though it's less than 30 days away, because 
30 days is an eternity in the Corona apocalypse. We have no idea what we're going to be able to do in August. Certainly no idea what we're going to be able to do in September. And we're a church that plans. Our planning arc is 18 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we make any major decision or change is 18 months. Mm-hmm. And we have a whole system for how we make decisions. And then another big axiom of leadership that I've held on to all these years is once we make a plan, we don't change it. I mean, we may tweak it, but we're going to run the play that we called. Well, now we're not going to run the play that we called. Whatever play we just called, I promise you we're going to run <laughs> that play. Right. So we're drawing plays in the sand all the time. And so it's it's very, very, very different. And that's probably the most discouraging thing to me. So, Aaron, you have some really good thoughts about how pastors can respond to discouragement during this time, maybe even a temptation to drift into despair. What are some things that we can do as pastors that can help us manage these feelings in this difficult time? Since our systems are constantly changing and we really can't drive a stake in, what we can work on is ourselves. And so this is a great time really to dive in. Uh, We know personally as believers that we don't have despair because of our eschatology. We know Jesus wins in the end and we hang on to that and we look forward to that. At the same time, we're waking up every day figuring out how to help the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to win every single day. And we want to help advance the mission of the church. Some ways that we can do that. One, I think it'd be really helpful for pastors to have a hobby. During a time like this, develop a hobby, develop a skill, do something in your spare time that is just non-church related to let your mind think about something other than the changing landscape of your local church. Two, I think it's helpful for pastors to have friends. So Jimmy, you've modeled this Every week I hear you talking about other pastors that you've connected with. You just did it just now. Just people that you connect with that you like to bounce ideas off of that you share with. I do this with a friend of mine, Matt McCraw. Matt's a pastor in Bartow, Florida. And I love just checking in on him and hearing how he's doing. And he's someone I've known for 30 years. We've known each other since we were in elementary school. (laughs) He's someone that I can just trust. It's helpful for pastors to have people like that in their lives. If you're not exercising, this is a great time to really just start any kind of exercise regimen. There's just an opportunity to work on yourself physically. Those are a few things that pastors can do during a time like this. I think that as you do those things, you know, one of the things that you said about Matt McCraw that we all know, Matt, you tap into some old friendships and relationships. Because one of the things about old friends, it's great, is old friends knew you before you could do anything for them. Yeah. It's always good to have some friends that care about you and love you for you and for who you are, not for what you do for them. I don't know. There's something special about, you know, we always say that you can't make new old friends. Mm -hmm. And so I love to hear that about you and Matt. So Leslie, as you kind of, you serve your team and you lead your team, which is pretty substantial at Family Church. What are some things that you're doing? Because I know your team has some of the same ideas because you are working with a lot of worship leaders who Mm -hmm. are used to being on the platform constantly. And now they're behind the camera or behind the computer or doing other things. Well, I mean, I think one of the best things, and I'm not certainly not the best at this, but I think one of the best things that we can do for our own selves to encourage ourselves is to encourage others. I think for my team who has worked very hard during this season, putting out digital content, I always look for ways just to encourage them and to thank them and to tell them that they're Mm -hmm. doing a good job and to just tell them that they're leading well. So just yesterday, I was having a conversation with the guy who leads our production arts team, all of our tech and all of that, and just told him, like, you done such a great job. You lead your team so well. You could tell that it encouraged him to hear that. So I really think just looking for ways to encourage others and take the focus off of ourselves, because Mm -hmm. I think anytime you focus on yourself or your own uncertainty that you're feeling, 
you know, turning inward is never a good thing in seasons like this. I mean, it's never a good thing, period, but it's definitely not a good thing in seasons like this. So that's what I would say. Look for somebody to encourage on your team or elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Another thing is, uh, I know a lot of people who are listening would say, yeah, that would be awesome if I had a team. Oh, I love to hear all of y'all encouraging each other on the family church team and the communication <laughs> team. And that's exactly right, Leslie. Everybody should have a team. Hey, if you don't have a team, even during the coronavirus crisis, you can build a team. You can pull together some volunteers right now, pull them together by Zoom, pull them together for lunch, have them over to your house, have them up to your office. Everybody ought to have a team that's sharing the burden and the vision for what's happening right now in church. And if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I just don't have that, I would love for you to get in contact with us. We'd love to talk with you about how you can build a team even during a crisis time, because it's one thing, it is easier to build a team when you have enough resources to pay a large staff like we do right now at Family Church. But I have been in ministry in other contexts that I didn't, you know, family church didn't start the way it is today. And I certainly didn't start ministry at family church. I've been in context where we had no money at all. You had no assistant, you had no intern, you had no nobody. And the only thing you could do is recruit volunteers to be on your team. And so I just encourage the people that are listening to this and feeling maybe a little I don't know, because your church is smaller, that it's not as good, or, you know, that we can't relate to you because, you know, we have a a large church. I would just encourage you so much. And look, I have to tell you that if your church grows or you become the leader of a larger church, it actually gets lonelier. When they say it's lonely at the top, it really is. And the higher the top is, the lonelier it gets. And if you're not very, very intentional about doing things like Aaron was talking about, pulling together your old friends, maintaining relationships, doing what Leslie's talking about, encouraging other people on your team, building those friendships and relationships and doing what I'm saying, which is if you can't, don't feel like you can relate to the people on your team because of whatever, you better have a circle of pastors outside of your church or a circle of lay people inside of your church or a group of old friends somewhere that is on your side and on your team. And if you don't, then I don't think you can avoid despair and discouragement. Well, we have a lot of things in spite of the different paradigm that we're having to operate in. There are still a lot of really exciting things to get into, to learn, and to look forward to. So I'm curious, Leslie and Aaron, what are some things that you're experiencing as you kind of look down the road, however far we can see, that do kind of make you excited about possibilities? I think it is the fact that there's some things that we've learned, and we've talked about this before. I feel like there's some things that we've learned during this season that we can carry forward, and that makes me excited. I mean, I'm excited about some of the things that we've been able to accomplish during this season and the ways that we've been able to improve the things that we're doing. And so I'm looking forward to continuing that and discovering you never really know what you're capable of until you're forced into a situation. So in some ways, it's been fun to just see we can actually just decide that we're going to do something differently, pull the trigger, do it, make it happen. And it worked. And so you don't have to be so afraid of trying new things. And so I feel like I've learned that and I hope I can carry that into the future. I just want to keep walking down some of those paths that we've been on during this season. Well, I just think about all the things that your team has done from redoing how we think about our website, how we think about social media, raising our social media profile, improving our quality of our video and our sound, learning more about how to flex up on social media, how to connect our people through even our email blast is much improved, our open rate so much better, SEO account, all of these things that we have really raised our game in as a result of the coronapocalypse excite me because 
because if there is another side to this, hopefully we come out on the other side or there's some new future out there. All of these things are going to be to our benefit because digital is going to help us. And that's very exciting, the things that we can do now that we could never do before. How about you, Aaron? So I think church has gotten so complicated over the last several decades. And I feed into that because I'm a spreadsheet kind of guy and I like to track all of this. I'm really excited at the simplistic nature that church may become on the other side of this. When I think about some of our campuses reopening with a preacher, a guy with a guitar, and just very simplistic, minimalist approach to us gathering back together, that kind of excites me to see what we can do and how we can pull that together. And I think even the most minimalistic approach that we have is significantly more complex than what the Apostle Paul had when you Mm. think about some of the early churches and the resources that they had. And so I'm looking forward to just seeing what this looks like on the other side and how we can help continue. We know the church of the Lord Jesus Christ will not be stopped. I'm looking forward to seeing what we can learn through that and how to lift up Christ in the middle of it all. I can't agree more. I do think we were just having some conversations earlier today about how when we reopen that our plan as of today is probably have a much stripped down situation. We're not going to have all this kids ministry. We're not going to have, we're so families are just going to worship together if they choose to show up in person. We're not going to have a big band and lights and all this kind of stuff. We're probably just going to have one person with one instrument, either a keyboard or a guitar, leading a couple of hymns. We'll probably sing a lot less, have somebody probably get up and give an informal message from the Bible and do this at all these different campuses. In fact, we're thinking of calling our new services, chapel services, to kind of signal to our congregation that it's going to be different than what they experienced in February. And I was talking to another pastor today. He just said, hey, I'm just afraid that the last time people went to church was in February or March. And when they come back, it's going to be distance. It's going to be masked. It's going to be a much lower attendance. Nobody's going to be able to touch. Nobody's going to be able to talk. And he said, I'm just afraid that what they come back to is not going to be the church that they mm-hmm. were hoping for. And that's why I just think one of the things that we have to do is communicate to ourselves and to our churches. Hey, things different, world's different. So your attendance is going to be less. Your sophistication of your programming and your tech is likely to be less. Mm-hmm. Your sense of connection when you actually do show up is likely to be less because people aren't going to want to you know, touch you. All of these things are going to be less. But maybe, Aaron, what you were saying is, right, we may discover that for some people and in some ways, less is actually more. And we may actually find a more authentic sense of community and worship. Maybe all the things that we've thought we really needed to be the kind of church that we want to be, maybe we don't need some of them. So I'm excited about the future. I am not a pessimist about this. I think I'm a realist, but I'm excited about trying to live out the mission of God in these days because God, like you started off with, Aaron, that our eschatology tells us that God wins, Mm -hmm. which means that we win. Mm -hmm. And God knew that we were going to be leading our church during this day. Mm -hmm. I don't get to be the pastor of a big church in 1985 when Ronald Reagan was the president. I get to be a pastor of a church. boy then. (laughs) I know, but I still love Reagan. I get to be the pastor of a church in 2020. And I get to be a pastor of a church right now. Mm-hmm. And in this day, and this is the destiny that God ordained for me before the foundation of the world. And so I'm going to lean into it and take joy in it and do the very best for the Lord that I can. That's all that God wants from me. And that's all that God wants from you too, if you're listening yeah. to this on church for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Do you want to add something to that, Leslie? No, I mean, that's really good. I like that. I like the fact that, you know, we have to remember that God is sovereign yeah. in all of these things. He's in control. He knows the end from the beginning. 
and he does win in the end. And, you know, I was just reading that this morning, actually, like how often do we remind ourselves of where our true home is? So many Bible verses pop to mind when you talk about like, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Don't say you're going to go here and do this because you don't know what the future holds. But we read all those things, but now we actually get to live them out. And it's not always as much fun living them out. You have to remember that God's in control. He has a plan. And he does have purposes for us. So thank you for reminding us of that. No question about it. Last word, Aaron. I would say if you're a pastor listening, no matter what size church, full-time, bivocational, wherever you're at in ministry, Jimmy's advice is really good. Lean into other pastors and don't bear the weight of the burden alone. God has not made us to be in isolation at a time like this. We have technology. We can communicate, pick up the phone, reach out. If you don't have anybody, call us. We'll talk to you, but we we (laughs) want you to reach out and lean into other friends that God's put in your life. Yeah, thanks so much. This is Jimmy Scroggins, Carly, Aaron, and Leslie. We're signing off. You've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or Check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you, too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins, and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.